Well, Australia's unemployment has risen to about 3.7 million people. And it's hard to believe, isn't it, when a large percentage of that figure, uh, there are jobs for people who are completely unskilled. And a growing number of Australians now claim that they are too poor to even look for work. Apparently, the cost of mobile phones, the internet, things essential for communicating with prospective employers, has skyrocketed. I guess it's part of inflation, isn't it? And according to a story that I saw online yesterday, the rising cost of fuel and public transport also make it tough for job seekers to get interviews. Few job seekers, apparently, can afford suitable clothes to make a good impression when they go to see a recruiter. I thought we'd talk to our recruiter, our employment expert, Graham Wynn, from Superior People Recruitment, to see if this is all BS, or do these people actually have a point? Graham, good morning to you. Good morning, Luke. And and before we jump into this topic, uh, I also want to talk to you this morning about a trial that's been going on in Great Britain. You and I talked about this a while ago, trialling a four-day working week. Apparently, the results are coming through and they're pretty good. We'll, We'll do that in a minute, shall we? Absolutely, yes. Okay, but there is a growing number of Australians now who are claiming, yes, I'm unemployed, but it's not my fault. I'm too poor to effectively look for work. Is that a cop-out or is it a real problem, Graham? Look, I'll be honest with you. Certain people, yes, would fall in that category. But with the way the job system set up, the job networks, the government-sponsored ones, they can actually access vouchers. They can buy clothes from Target or Kmart. They can provide them with fuel money or bus money, public transport to get to interviews. If they get into the offices, they can use the internet in there. They can make phone calls from in those workplaces for the job centre offices. So there's a lot of facilities set up for them and a lot of allowances they can be given to help them. Now, one or two, if you live quite remotely, that's quite different. But realistically, if you're living near one of the job agencies, then you can get there. They cover public transport money for you. They'll even sometimes pay for fuel for you to get to interviews. As I say, they give vouchers for clothing. So you can go to Target or Kmart and, and get clothes for interviews. They don't give you cash, but they give you vouchers so you can go and get dressed. But there's also a lot of these unemployment places have a clothing organisation linked to them where you, you can actually go in and pick out, okay, I'll wear that for the interview. When you finish, you take it back. So there are a lot of opportunities for them to get help. One or two, yes, would certainly be struggling. But for a lot of them, there are certainly opportunities that they can actually get access to a lot of help to get to and from interviews. And and certainly a lot of people I know these days are doing online interviews anyway. Yeah. They're not even making people go into the office. So- okay, well, that, that was one thing that was brought up, and that is the cost of a laptop, of a computer. So let's have a look at the essentials you need to actively look for work. Clothes is one, and you've just mentioned that. But what about the cost, the ongoing cost of a mobile phone? the ongoing cost of the internet, and a a decent computer. Well, computers certainly do help because everything's online these days, so to apply for jobs online, so that's it. But again, in the job active networks, which a lot of these people are talking about who are unemployed, they have computers in there that you can use. You can access computers, you can access emails, you can access your own files, your own resumes, and you can apply for jobs using their system. They're not just there for you to go in once a fortnight and say, I've applied for my my 20 jobs. They're there for you to go in and use the services that are there free of charge to help you get a job. 
So that in, even though, yes, a laptop's handy, it's provided for you in these job agency offices. They're there for you to use. Yeah. Phones are there for you to use. So you don't need to use your own tools if you're struggling. Is it a cop-out? I think in certain areas, yes, it would be. It's, it's just another reason perhaps not to sort of get work, which we know there are that small percentage who are like that. But certainly if you want work, there are services available to help you get to interviews, help you apply for jobs. I was talking to one person today. He was actually in his job agency while I was talking to him because he, he couldn't pay his phone bill. He was in their office and he rang from their office. So you can make it work if you want to. All right. Graham wins with us, our employment expert from Superior People Recruitment. Now, Graham, here's a story that uh, I've, I have great interest in because you and I flagged this story, I think, a couple of years ago the possibility of working a four-day week. It's not going to work for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. But we're talking about instead of working five eight-hour days, working four ten-hour days and making up the difference. The theory is if you have a long weekend, uh, you feel more relaxed, you can have a day, maybe a Monday, to go and do your running around, your banking and your shopping and get, get all those things done that you can't normally do during the week. And then... When you do come back to work, you feel refreshed, revitalized, and maybe just a little bit grateful to your employer for letting you have that three-day weekend and being more productive. Now, dozens of British employers have been doing this. They've been trialing a four-day working week. And Graham, apparently, the results are coming through and it's looking pretty positive. It's an interesting one, this one, because I think of the 61 companies that trialled this, 56 said they either plan to continue or have already, as a trial, already said, yep, we're going to do this. What they actually did, though, they didn't make you work for 10-hour days. They cut your hours by 20% and said, okay, instead of working 40 hours, you only need to work 32 hours. So they didn't make you work longer hours on those four days. You still work your standard working day. We only did four days a week, not five days a week. And they didn't cut your money either. So you're getting the same money working eight hours less a week. Basically. Yeah, that, that, now that, that's right. So in Britain, these 61 companies said, okay, we're going to give you a three-day weekend, a four-day working week, but you can still only work eight hours and we're mm -hmm. not going to cut your money. No wonder people are happy. Oh, the people love it. Of course they do. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, I'd, li I'd like to only work a five-day week myself, but a four-day week, would, gee, that's, that's amazing, that's... So. It can work, but the interesting thing was most of these companies that trialled this employed on average between 50 and 70 people. Now, those kind of numbers, you do have a bit more infrastructure to cover people taking time off, so you can do that. But there is a big cost to the employer. If, I need my, if my staff want to work from home, I need to provide the infrastructure, the communication, the tools for them to work from home. I have to pay for that. Yeah, but if they're happier and they're just as productive or more productive, you may hang on to these great staff for longer. That's a definite, absolute correct, yes. The other issue, though, cost-wise, is that some of the people that trialled this said they needed to employ some temporary staff to cover when there was no one there. There are only certain industries this will work for. Shift work it won't work for. Uh, hospitality it won't work factories, for. Retail it won't work the, the, for. The, the mining industry. Correct. Anything face-to-face, -face, it can't work because those places are still open five days a week. Yeah. And where people will lose out, 
a lot of companies employ people on, on labour hire or casuals or temporary. Now they are only going to do four days a week, same hours. So they're actually losing eight hours pay a week. Yeah, Graham. Uh, my, I remember Microsoft tried this in Japan. God, years ago, I think it would have been about 2019, before COVID or leading into COVID, and uh, the consumer goods giant Unilever tried uh, a year-long trial in New Zealand the next year in 2020. How did that work out? That worked out okay for them. But again, these are large organisations with the infrastructure to cover when people are not there. Small to medium business who employ 20 or 30 people, they will struggle with this. Yeah. They will really struggle with this. And therefore, I think we're going to create this two, you know, division of the industries and organisations that can work a four-day week and those that can't. And so we're going to have a real division now in the workforce that those people who can't do a four-day week in the industry they work with, they'll want to leave those companies and go work for the ones that can do a four-day week. Yeah, that's right. It's fascinating stuff. Hey, listen, Graham. thanks for keeping us in the loop. Good to talk to you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon, hey? No problem at all, Luke. Take care. Employment expert Graham Wynn here on The Night Shift on Triple M.